Hi, everyone. I'm interviewing today Thomas Gottiani, the founder of Work the Chat. And I have to be true to you. Um, I know Thomas for some time. He has been a long-time friend of mine. I think I met with him for the first time like five years ago in Beijing. He was still working at a very large company. He was not an entrepreneur yet. And it was at the very beginning of Work the Chat. Um, I follow this entrepreneur story. And one of the things I'm very uh, interested in knowing more is how he switched from an agency to a SaaS system, to a SaaS business, which is what he has been doing over, I think, the last two years. And I'm very interested well, to know more about how he, he came up with this idea of um, what the chat, which agency, which is one of the first ideas he had, the first business he started, and I'd like to discover all this. Um, welcome, Thomas. Thanks for being with us. Hi, Majab. Nice to be here. How was it, the intro? Pretty good. Good? OK. Very, very transparent. I like it. OK, thanks. So yes, I know you. I think uh, I met with you in 2014, or no, actually 2013, maybe, right? Uh, when did you yeah. begin with the chat? Uh, around three years ago, but I think we know each other before that because I was I tried to start a art photography gallery before that in Beijing, and okay. uh, that's when I first met you because I, I was recommended to talk to you to talk about pricing for my products, okay. and uh, that was the first introduction from uh, okay. 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 okay, I didn't remember. Okay, since then the, the all things have been going on and you have been building a totally different company, which is Work the Chat. Could you tell us what Work the Chat is right now? Yeah, so today we are um, basically an e-commerce platform which enables merchants outside China to sell inside China via WeChat. So it's like kind of a Chinese WeChat version for Shopify. You can create your store and then your Chinese customers buy in China uh, with a completely China WeChat-friendly interface, and the, you receive the money uh, in your bank account in uh, the US or France or whatever. Okay, I see. So to sum up, you are providing uh, a kind of plugin solution for Shopify shops, for actually any shop, right? It could be one platform, and it, it plugs into other e-commerce platforms. So you, it can work by itself without any third party. Uh, but let's say you have a Shopify store and you want to run all your orders, all your inventory through Shopify, then you can just use our platform to provide the storefront and maybe some China-specific CRM and, uh, and targeting and campaign capabilities, uh, but you manage your actual orders on Shopify. So you really have the two options. You can really do everything on our platform or can, you can just use it for the front-end promotion side and uh, use your, your Magento Shopify store for fulfillment. Okay, so if one of one of the person which is who is listening to us has a Shopify shop, he can take your plugin and immediately being visible to the Chinese market. Doesn't mean that it will be we get traffic immediately. You will have to bring traffic, or you can help maybe, but that's not the uh, value proposition of, of your of your which is actually to connect a bit like uh, I guess like Lengo or like uh, L E N G O W. Uh, in, in Europe? Do, do you know this company? Yeah, yeah, I know it. Yeah. Kind of similar. I mean, there are differences because Lengo, I believe, I'm not an expert of what they do, uh, but they're enabled to basically have a, a centralized 
way of uh, listing your products in different e-commerce platforms. Um, what we do maybe is a bit more specific to WeChat, so it's also a bit more customized for WeChat. Uh, but to answer your, your earlier question, uh, so yeah, you're right. When our, our merchants set up on WeChat, they don't get instant traffic. So we uh, don't make the promise of merchants that just by listing on our platform, they will get sales. Uh, when they list on our platform, basically it's just like if you created your Shopify store and then you need to drive traffic to it. So we do have clients who get sales very fast, but it's, it's because they already have interest for their products in China. And then when they launch on WeChat, some of the customers find it more convenient and start buying. So we did have this, this, uh, this, some cases of clients who launch and without any special promotion, because they had some kind of um, existing presence in China, they were already sold by other marketplaces. When they, when they started launching on WeChat and they provided the product to be cheaper because it was their own channels, they didn't have to pay the fees to all these platforms, uh, then clients started buying through it directly. Uh, but that's uh, that's a minority of the cases. A lot of our clients actually have to run campaigns so that they can get sales. Okay, okay, I understand. So, can you tell us about what the chat now? Size of the company, number of people working, uh, or number of clients. Anything you can disclose but to be to give a sense of the 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 size, the momentum you are you are you are having now for the for for, for the audience. Sure. So today we work with about uh, 100 uh, paying customers. So the way we work is uh, basically mostly recurring revenue. So clients pay us every month to be uh, able to use our platform. Um, and um, the, the fees are between uh, 200 and uh, um, 1,000 USD for the, just the, the software. Uh, but some, some of our clients pay us more than that. So you were asking earlier, do we handle the part about traffic? Uh, the answer is uh, sometimes. So for, some of our, for all of our clients, we provide this kind of basic e-commerce layer uh, where we charge between, uh, as I said, 200 and 1,000 USD. Uh, and then on top of that, we have some upsold uh, services, which can include customer service, marketing, content. Uh, but we don't do that with all of our clients. We actually do that with a small percentage of our clients uh, with who we really want to kind of do the wall thing, the full stack approach to, so that we really understand how to market to China and we stay connected to the market. Uh, but some of our clients are also agencies uh, who are then reselling the platform to their clients. And in that case, uh, they would handle uh, everything. So yeah, I, as I was saying, uh, about, uh, about uh, 100 clients, uh, which can bring between uh, 200 to uh, 10,000 USD and above of revenue, uh, depending on the size and uh, depending on the extent of the services uh, that they purchase from us. Okay, among the one clients you you are getting now, how, what what what's a typical client? I mean, what what do they sell? I get, I guess it's uh, a best way. It's only physical product. It could be services, it could be like traveling or something like that. Or services. It's or it's only, only product. product. Yeah, it can only be physical products because uh, we're doing cross border payments with WeChat and uh, legally, uh, WeChat has to basically make sure the the platform is not being used to funnel money out of China. So in order for things to be clean, when a, when a transaction takes place, it must be associated with a Chinese customer ID and with a shipping number so that uh, then uh, the Chinese government, if they want, can track and make sure that we're not using the platform to take renminbi out of China. Because converting from local Chinese currencies to USD is actually 
um, like a very regulated thing. So we have to operate in this framework, which is which is set by um, by WeChat. And to, to answer your your previous question, uh, a typical client very often would be um, either in fashion, like cosmetics or FMB industry. Uh, usually, we're talking about clients who are not super famous. They are famous within the niche. Uh, so very often, um, like mid-end niche um, um, fashion brands, which are might, might be famous in New York or might have some visibility in New York or in Italy or some, in the local market, uh, but are not uh, they are not LVMH level of famous, uh, and they want to get started in China. They're not selling here yet, and they want to get visibility. And very often, our clients would already have some kind of visibility in China. Maybe some bloggers already identified the brand, start talking about the brand, but they don't have the official channel yet to sell. So that's when we come into play and we help them set up this official channel to cross border. And uh, they don't want to have like full fledged, like big teams in China at this stage. Uh, they just want to basically be able to sell to this market, ship to this market. Um, and, and that's why we help. I understand. So wh when do you think a company should contact you? When do you think a company should install the the plugin or work the chat on, on Shopify. Um, you say mid-size, but it's difficult to know when you are reaching mid-size. Um, do you have some metrics? Yeah, usually they, they should be like somewhere above 20 million USD of sales is in their home market because getting into China is not necessarily cheap. Um, it's like we don't, I mean, we try not to overpromise in any way to our clients. Uh, so we don't tell them, well, you're going to spend like a few hundred bucks uh, on the platform and then you will get sales. We try to be transparent about the fact that there is very often a uh, marketing expense to get started in China. So very often it will be at least dozens of thousands of US dollars spent on paying some key opinion leaders so that they start uh, promoting the brand. So we have some good cases of, of companies spending less than that. So recently we had a, a fashion brand which put like, Eight thousand US dollars of, uh, of uh, investment in key opinion leaders got about uh, just below sixty thousand US dollars of sales for a company which is basically just getting started in the Chinese market. So, so we are getting good results sometimes with low investment, but it's, it's not first. There is still an investment, and very often we would advise our, our clients to have at least. Um, a, a, an envelope of 50,000 US dollars they can put in this marketing. Uh, so we're talking about brands which are already established in the local market uh, and we, we can spend a bit um, on the acquisition to get the initial momentum because otherwise we, we don't want clients who just basically list the products and then don't get any sales uh, or we try to discourage this. Um, sure. Of course, there are some cases where clients could get to some results without some big investments, as we said, if they have existing visibility in the Chinese market, or if they have some other ways to get customers. So it's all about acquisition, right? If you have a store in the US or in France, where you have a lot of Chinese tourists who are coming to your store, then you could actually tell them, okay, scan this QR code, because as you know, in China, QR codes are essential for offline to online acquisition. And then tell them, okay, now that you follow this QR code, you can keep buying the product when you go to China. So you could have other ways. Uh, if you already have some kind of audience, if you already have offline traffic from Chinese customers, then you can actually uh, manage to do this without having to um, uh, without having to um, 
to pay to match an acquisition, but uh, there needs to be a solution to the acquisition problem. And it can be buying the traffic or it can from usually from influencers uh, or it can be um, offline to online. But once again, this will only be for companies who have this kind of existing traffic and resources. I understand. So if I summarize for the audience to make sure everyone understands, you're providing a, a solution which can be the software in itself, you you plug, you you put your product on your platform, or a plugin which is getting the product from Shopify or Commerce Magento, I don't know how many plugins you have, and making it possible to display them on WeChat, on a specific a specific page on WeChat where the Chinese clients can buy easily because that's the way they buy in China. Is that correct? And this service, yeah, this service. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, and basically, yeah, as you said, for the Chinese customer, it's a completely local experience, uh, very familiar user experience, local login methods, lo local payment methods, local sharing methods. Uh, and, and then the money, of course, is, is upon purchase, is converted to foreign currencies. So the Chinese customer pays in, in uh, renminbi in local currency, and the merchant gets the money in whichever currency they use to sell. So it's, it's very seamless experience on both yeah. sides. I think, I think. On both sides, there is no, um, no, no, no hard work to change currencies, to, uh, to display the product on your platform. It's seamless. It's just yeah. translation yeah. work, basically, right? And you you exactly. could provide the work, or they do on their own, but your focus is to offer a SaaS system, which is helping to um, um, put the products uh, there with itself. Uh, on the on the Chinese platform, which is easy to, to use by by Chinese, and this you charge two hundred dollars to five hundred dollars a month. Yeah, I mean, it's two hundred to five hundred for this part of the offer. It's gonna move to two thousand to one thousand uh, within okay. like a month or so. As we are, uh, we are going through a classic uh, SaaS evolution where we're increasing the pricing as the product gets more features. Uh, so for some of the new premium features we're gonna add, which include. Uh, CRM and some advanced targeting capabilities. Uh, we're gonna move create a one thousand US dollars plan, and uh, I guess later next year we also move to yearly pricing uh, instead of monthly pricing. Today, all of all of, most of our customers are on uh, monthly pricing. Uh, some of them like the the platform, and then because they they know they're gonna keep using it, converts to to yearly. Uh, but soon we're gonna think move everything to paying for, for a year because yeah, that's a good way to get uh, a front cash for, for us. And as we get more comfortable with our solution, we can see more and more success cases. Uh, we are more comfortable with clients paying yeah, five, ten, thousand front for, for the service. Yeah, makes sense. So we talked about it before, uh, before the interview. Uh, you are not charging a transaction, right? You're not taking a commission on a transaction, or you are? Yeah, exactly. Not, not really. So we, so the, the transaction part is um, as three players. Uh, uh, it's like the end customer usually uh, would um, pay first, like a, a middleman of ten cents, official partner of ten cents in uh, in each country, uh, and then the money would go to um, to um, to our customer. Actually, to be to be more accurate. Uh, so when our merchants sign up, they don't sign up directly with Tencent, they sign up with a middleman of Tencent. Basically aggregates all the merchants for WeChat. Because WeChat does not want to create accounts for each single merchant. So they, are, yeah. they have some 
partners in each country who help them do that. So when when the um, when the transaction happens, so the the customer pays via WeChat payment. Uh, the money goes to to WeChat. WeChat sends it to the payment partner, and then the payment partner will send it to the merchant. So the the way the total commission is going to be around two point five percent, and usually it's one percent, which is taken by by WeChat more or less, and one point five percent by the payment partner. So some of these payment partners have agreements with us, and they give us a very small uh, fraction of a percentage, uh, but we don't really take it on top of that. So we took we take it from the fraction taken by the payment partner, basically. They give us kind of like, like if you would recommend some, a client to someone and then the client would pay the normal price, but you would get an affiliate commission where we get an affiliate commission from some of the payment partners. I understand. So WeChat system and WeChat Pay is partnering with middlemen. Do you have some name, by the way, of middlemen? Uh, pay would be one. Nihao, like hello. Okay. Uh, Royal Pay, so this is our partner for US and Europe. Uh, Royal Pay, R-O-Y-A-L, like Royal, uh, is our, our partners from for Australia, but we integrate to like a dozen different providers today. Oh. Maybe even more than that, because we keep integrating ones that where we have a client who's using a provider, we see this provider has good technology, is using good terms, is providing good terms, we will just add, add them to the platform. And, um, yeah, so that's, okay. that, that keeps expanding over time. Okay, so 2.5% is what WeChat pay is taking? In total, right. yes. That was the, the merchant has to pay in total, uh, taking into account all the stakeholders, so both WeChat pay and, uh, and the middleman. And if, if they would sign up with, with WeChat pay directly, which is a possibility, they would still pay more or less the same percentage because basically WeChat pay is giving a discount to this middleman and then they get the difference. So for merchants, it makes more sense to use this middleman because they actually provide better APIs than WeChat payments. Uh, and they're much easier to speak with, they're much more reactive uh, if there is a question or if there is any kind of issue that the, that the customers want to discuss. So we don't really recommend going directly with, with WeChat payment. Although it's, it's a possibility, we, we also have this integration, of course, but in practice, we find it creates more problems than going through this kind of uh, distributors. Okay, okay, I see. Basically, 2.5% is very, very little. I mean, compared to, uh, I, I remember PayPal and Stripe are about 5%, 4 to 5% when it's cross border, right? Yeah, it's quite reasonable for a cross border payment transaction. Uh, it is very reasonable. So it's like, uh, it's, we never had any merchants being bothered by the 2.5%, definitely. I mean, I think for most of our merchants, the biggest question is on the marketing and how to get returns, right? So that's the real expense of the of the endeavor. The whole setup on our platform is quite fast. I mean, it's quite uh, it's quite smooth. The, the costs are not outrageous. The real cost comes when you have to start paying key opinion leaders, influencers to drive traffic. So that's where we have to maybe do a bit more hand holding is to explain to our clients. Uh, how, how to do this. And as we get more and more success cases, it's getting easier because we can point to other customers who manage to, to do it. And it's, um, it's, uh, it's getting easier over time. Yeah. yeah. Or two years ago. Yeah. You've talked about what you, you mentioned as a success story for one of the clients. So spending $8,000, my, my notes, I took some notes. So $8,000 uh, 
uh, and they sold over 60 grams, right? US. Yeah, yeah. What is uh, just below, actually. I think it's just below 60,000 US dollars uh, of, of bags. Yeah. Okay. 8,000 spending, mm -hmm. 60,000 as, as revenues. Yeah. So if I do the math, I mean, I'm, I'm around, I guess, 12%. I mean, 12, 12, mm -hmm. 14%. This is what you can expect for like successful campaigns, I would say, like between five to seven times your investment in, in sales. Um, of course, it varies, right? It's social, so there is a lot of, of uh, uncertainty. Um, and also, this cost goes down over time because when you do your first campaign, you completely rely on the key opinion leaders. Uh, so you don't have your own asset, you don't have your own traffic, right? Because when we help our clients, uh, we first have that help them to set up this WeChat official account, which is like like a Facebook page, right, for WeChat. People are going to follow it, they're going to be able to send notifications, and this WeChat official account will link to the shop. So it's like if you have a Facebook page, you link to a Shopify store. So when you get started, you don't have any following, so you have to pay basically for each view and for each sale. And uh, as you can, um, as you expand and as you keep doing campaigns, usually when you run a campaign, you don't take people directly to the store. You ask people to, to follow your account. So you are accumulating followers on this account, this asset, and your cost of sale uh, gets, gets down over time and becomes more predictable. So at the beginning, you're gonna have a bit more to spend uh, to acquire sales. And uh, also you're gonna have much more variability because uh, people don't know you and some of the key influencers are gonna be a great fit, some less. Um, and then as time goes by, you can get a bit more visibility on how much sales you're gonna get on WeChat because you're gonna run your like, weekly or monthly campaigns on your, on your account and you will get some sales coming like this in a way which is a bit more predictable, a bit more recurring. Okay, so the 8,000 including your fees? No, no, this just... is kind of spending marketing, but all fees, oh, yeah, okay. this is so. This is without including as a, some initial investment um, through um, to maybe do a bit of design and also our fees. But I think for this store, I mean, there might be spend. I mean, it's, it's a few hundred USD per month, right? So our fees are not really changing the calculation of the ROI. And uh, I mean, we look at ROI as a campaign levels because once you have a good ROI on a campaign you can kind of reproduce it and scale it. And hopefully our fees, because they are flat, uh, get smaller yeah. and smaller as, as a part of this. Yeah. yeah, but I try to understand so the audience can can have some metrics in mind and, and, and project some mm -hmm. business uh, ideas uh, into the Chinese market. So total amount of money to get 50,000 US mm -hmm. uh, with no 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 fame at initially, uh, the product is no now, it's not now, the, the, not much now. I mean, or the brand is not much now. Uh, so, two questions How much does it cost total? I mean, to, to, to spend with your fees and so on. And the, the question behind this is how long did it take? Because if it took a year, that means they had to spend uh, for one every month for one year uh, you know, to, 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 give you, to give you some, fee, some, some payments every month. So, could, could you give us an understanding of this? For this campaign I'm talking about, if I think the campaign happened like a month or so after the client launched the store. So usually it's like, it takes a bit more time in total, but usually 
uh, we have like a 1,000 USD fee to just create the Wishet Akshira account. So when our client starts working with us, sometimes they just pay this 1,000 USD and they don't pay any recurring fees because we need two, three months to create the account to get the approval from WeChat. So we started working with them a few months back uh, with this, uh, where they just paid with this one-time fee. Uh, we took the time to create the account uh, and then uh, we designed it. And then uh, after it, they launched, they got, yeah, this campaign happened like about a month after launch. So it's quite fast and it means, and it's, so it was four or five months uh, after maybe first contact and uh, maybe a couple of months, one or two months after they actually launched the store, including all the steps. Um, and they didn't have to pay big amounts in the initial step for the first three months, I think we were just focusing on creating the account. So we were basically waiting for approval from WeChat and then the next two months were more focused on uh, really preparing the store, running the first campaigns and getting these results. So it's quite fast. That's total amazing. Amount, total amount spent, 8,000 uh, US in ad, ad money, marketing money, right? Yeah. And your fees total, like it's like 10, 12,000, right? Um, this a bit less than that, I think, because we, I think this client was like 3,000 USD design, 1,000 USD account creation. Maybe uh, like a thousand USD at most of, of fees uh, for the store over a couple of months, uh, and maybe before content. So because I think we helped them create some content, but the content was not really what brought the sales. Uh, content is more for nurturing or on the long term. So I think what they actually spend on design, account creation, sale, um, account creation, and and uh, campaign in total was around 20,000 USD. But I think this is more of a lucky case in the sense that, as I said, I would recommend clients to have an envelope of over 50,000 USD to get started so that they can see really seeing some returns. Uh, managing to do it with a total envelope of 15,000 USD is, uh, is rather unusual. This client was, was willing to spend more, it's just the return came quickly, but uh, I think you, you need to be ready to invest a bit to see to see actual returns. If you spend like 2,000 USD of, of, on a campaign, then you lose hope. Um, and this is quite likely the first or second campaigns are not gonna hit uh, big, big hits right away because we need find to find good time to find the right influencers. Uh, and yeah, it takes a bit of luck too because it's, it's social media. So it's more going mostly through influencers. So there is like a hit or miss component to it. Yeah, when you compare the numbers, basically you are on an ROI which is between 25 to 30 percent, um, which is actually when we compare to like Google AdWords or Facebook AdWords, I mean Facebook or whatever we call it, uh, it's pretty good uh, because I remember that e-commerce conversion is about one to two percent online in the West, and if you have um, a click on AdWords, Google AdWords, which is one euro, you may have to pay up to 50 or 100 euros before getting a sale. So it's, it's not bad at all, actually. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, uh, it's, um, you can get really good results there, Richard, and that's one makes the platform attractive is that um, you can get results fast. Of course, it, it suggests that the product is good, right? So it's like, it's not the kind of product uh, results you can get with any product and the product must have some kind of fit also with the Chinese market. So that's why I was saying with some kind of fashion, cosmetics items, some F&B products, uh, we get really, really good results. 
um, there is there is an element of fit with with the local market. And uh, if your product is is good, uh, and if uh, you willing to invest a bit to find the right influencers for your brand, then the results can be extremely positive and extremely fast, which is I think the impressive part because in entering the Chinese market for most brands is uh, endeavor which takes sometimes years, right? If you have like, if you go the tra traditional way and you go about like setting up a, a branch in China, a company in China, uh, you know, as well as I do that uh, from a lot of foreign companies might take a year just to get their legal structure created uh, before even talking about creating sales and being profitable. So the idea is that you would start on a phone call and that four or five months later, you would be profitable on your Chinese market strategy uh, is quite, uh, I think, quite quite exciting and um, and without such an insane expense. Once again, I said, as I said, we don't want to to make people believe they can do that with just a few hundred bucks. But uh, for, for large SMEs uh, investing like 20, 30, 50,000 US dollars in initial campaigns or more if they want, of course, uh, is is not such a crazy crazy um, uh, expense in order to crack the Chinese market. Now, of course, then they can they can elaborate on this, right? We don't recommend our clients to just do WeChat. Once they get that, they can start also to look for distributors and other other things. And WeChat will always be part of the strategy, because they can go beyond that. Next, sorry. How do you identify the KOLs? You you insist a lot on KOLs on uh, influencers. How do you identify them and how do you work with them? I mean, do you pay upfront money? Do you incentivize them on the sales volume? Yeah, yeah. So very often it's uh, I mean most of, most of the time it's upfront money. Yeah, and very often we find them through kind of personal contacts or like basically the network we are starting to build. Uh, and that's why I'm saying we are mostly focused on like this. Uh, Elements of like um, of uh, fashion, cosmetics, and FMB because that's when we start to know a bit more KOLs and uh, being a bit more used to doing this kind of promotions. Uh, if we have in other areas where we don't have anybody in our networks, then we might recommend other companies which are doing KOLs full, full time. You know, you have a company like Parklu, P A R K L U, uh, which are just KOL companies. So they they just their job is just to source KOLs, source influencers. So if there is like uh, no good influencer in our network for a specific product, uh, we might just introduce these kind of companies. We we don't want to be like an influencer management companies. We're really focusing on the e-commerce layer. Uh, we just believe that um, it's important for us to get a first-hand approach. Uh, experience of everything that happens for our clients. So we are just nurturing a, a kind of small network of very high quality KOLs on some areas like cosmetics, fashion, and FMB where we get a lot of clients. And then when a client switch out to us, we just try to see what is the fit between you now what the client is offering, uh, what kind of what is the customer persona of the client, and what are the analytics of these different KOLs in terms of gender and age and. Uh, location in different sides of cities in China uh, so we can find a good match and the general tone of the of the influencer as opposed to the general uh, messaging of the brand. So it's, um, it's kind of a manual process and we can do it well because we keep it small scale. As I said, we don't work with all of our clients on this kind of campaigns. A lot of our clients might go through other agencies 
uh, and we do it when we believe we can really get good results uh, because we have in-house the capability to do this kind of campaigns. And we don't try to do that for all our clients. Some of our clients are more specific niche and we just recommend some else. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Basically, it will help them to do a good use of your software, right? Because they could do it themselves, but they may not know how to do it because they are far away, they're overseas. So in order to be successful on your platform, you may help them doing marketing, but that's not your core, your core business. I mean, all of our clients need help. So this help can come from us or it can come from other agencies. Uh, we have some clients who are very, very China savvy, so they know all this stuff. Uh, but it's very, very small percentage of our clients who know a lot about China. Uh, so either for some of us, let's say for the vast majority, for a very, very small number of, of our clients that know about it, they can do it themselves. For a small number, we help them. And for a large number, we would introduce them or they would already have contacts uh, with agencies uh, which are helping them to do this like more like uh, PR slash a promotion part of the of the. Um, of the launch. So no matter what, we make sure that our clients have the, the right kind of support. The question is, uh, do they have it to start with? Do we provide it or do we introduce them to people who can provide that for them? Okay, I see. How, what do you think about, I think Galerie Lafayette is using now QR code in Paris, right? Or some, yeah. some malls. Um, what, because that's very close to your, your idea, right? to help uh, local businesses uh, being able to connect with Chinese uh, tourists or Chinese uh, clients and getting sales from them through your platform. What's your, how do you, how, what do you think about it? Yeah, so actually we, um, uh, I mean, our, this, what you're describing for Galafayette, what they do is simply providing the payments, right? The QR code payments on uh, inside the Galerie Lafayette. Uh, what we, are looking into is now we are trying to partner or starting to partner uh, with this kind of providers who help to provide offline payments in Europe in particular uh, and uh, providing them with um, with uh, the cross-border e-commerce on top of that. So today you, you go to Gary Lafayette, you purchase, uh, but you don't necessarily keep buying when you go out, right? Uh, what we provide and what we are starting to partner with offline payment provider is providing this kind of offline e-commerce, uh, uh, cross-border e-commerce brick, which is um, which is adding to that. So basically, you are going to this store in Europe, in France, in Germany, in UK. Uh, you're paying with WeChat payment, and as you're paying, like you're invited to to follow the account, and then once you go back to China, you can keep buying cross-border through our platform. Uh, so it's it's a step further, I think, from what's happening today. A lot of the merchants uh, in Europe now, now are still at the stage of simply setting up the payment. Uh, what we are providing is the ability to stay in touch with the customer. Uh, and that's something we're looking into right now once again. I think that's something which for us today is more prospective. We are simply like in discussion with these offline payment providers trying to find ways to collaborate. Uh, it's not where our traffic, most of our traffic comes today. Uh, today, our clients, as I said, are mostly uh, brought through influencers, but it's a bit what we discussed in the beginning of the, of the conversation when we said what matters at the end of the day is traffic. Uh, one way to get it is by influencers and KOLs, that's what we do today. Uh, another way to do it uh, is to get it from offline traffic, traffic, which is what you're describing with Gary Lafayette, and that's also something we're looking into. Right now. Okay. Um, 
Okay, I see. So you have this hybrid system where you 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 you're you are building a SaaS solution and you're also providing some services. So it's it's really hybrid. And I, I feel that's coming back from your origins. You you be, you began work the chat as an agency. Could you tell us more about how, how it began, uh, how you evolved it? I saw a lot of businesses which were agencies and failed at building a product, and a few of them have been able to do it, which did very well, actually, like MailChimp came out from an agency, and Annie, uh, I think, uh, came out from a kind of agency at the beginning. So could you tell us more about how you uh, you, you, you did the, 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 the pivot and the conversion? Well, we, we're just very, very frug like frugal as a, as an agency, we never tried to really scale the agency. So this was a tough choice back in the days. Now it's getting a bit easier to live with this because we're seeing some really growth on the software side and we're seeing good, good uh, success stories and getting momentum. Uh, but basically I, I chose to not uh, take so many agency projects and uh, to keep the agency small because I was afraid. I mean, I didn't look like the agency works so much. We still do a bit of it. We have a few agency clients, but who are like, let's say good clients for instance, like we just started a, a small project with Cisco, which, which we renewed because we helped Cisco deal with some of their uh, WeChat processes. Um, and um, they, are, they are good clients, they're quite smart, quite sophisticated. Uh, so they're easy to work with and, uh, and some of the, this consulting money helps to still bring some capital to the to the business. So we're still doing a bit of it, but uh, I didn't want to do that long term, and I didn't want to be dependent on this uh, to to run the business. I didn't want to have because having clients as an agency is very very can be very crushing because uh, basically you're you're kind of the slave of the client, right? Uh, while when you're running a software business, we are today. Of course, we have to be good to the clients. We have to provide good service. But at the end of the day, with like now with about 100 clients, we don't really depend so much on on each client, and we keep growing. And the weight of each client gets smaller and smaller, uh, and it gives them some some kind of peace of mind and some some uh, it makes it much easier to run uh, than running a, a business where you're having five or ten active clients, and then if you lose one. Uh, it's like a very, very big blow for your morale and for your company and for the finance. Um, so yeah, I just decided not to get into that and to, to kind of stay very, very uh, low key for the, for the agency until we found a model which works, which is something which we stumbled into about a year and a half ago and uh, which is gaining more momentum today. Uh, but yeah, it, it was mostly Restraint. There was not a lot of uh, genius move we did. We just waited and uh, tried things. But I, so I, I told, I told before. I, I know you for for some time, and I always felt that it could have been a bit painful to do it and to refuse clients, refuse maybe nice budgets um, to to do to, to as an agency in order to focus on the product. Because one of the things I, I find find really amazing is that among the, the, the expat community in China, you are the one who knows about China, about WeChat, the one who, who every time we're publishing something on WeChat gets a lot of 
press coverage, a lot of, of shares, a lot of likes and so on. So for you, uh, getting quite big on, on an agency could have been possible, but that was not part of your, um, basically your, 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 your path and how you, you saw it. And that's very rare, I mean, to see an entrepreneur who is going to commit to one product and get rid of all the other business he could get, which could make a decent amount of money. No, yeah, there are some different difficult calls. Like we, um, we like we turned down some projects with JP Morgan, with the French government, uh, with Bosch. Also, we worked with them, but then we we refused to quote on some bigger projects. Um, so so yeah, it was not easy. But uh, at the end of the day, I I'm that's I think what it helps me because I'm a bit weird. I don't really have. Uh, I mean, I have very very. Uh, philosophical approach uh, to life, right? It's not really about money. I don't care too much about money. Um, I care about doing the things I, I, I want, the way I want them to do, uh, the way I want to do it. Um, and if I make less money, I make less money. I, I have enough to, to get by and uh, to live a happy life. So money is not really something which matters too much. Uh, I mean, if it's getting money to do the wrong thing, it will not help me. I just want to get to make the thing I want grow, but just getting money in itself is not very interesting. So that's made it easier for me to turn on these projects, although they were bringing money, uh, but they were they were not what I wanted to do. So, so yeah, I, I decided, and I still sometimes do today to refuse to quote for things which are quite large and could bring quite a lot of revenue, but uh, are not a good fit for what we're doing today. Yeah, and agencies are never never ending fight, and uh, yeah, you always have new product with different different requirements, so it's difficult to scale it. You know, I guess that's yeah, yeah. that makes why you 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 move that partly in product. Yeah, I mean every, everything is a never ending fight, but uh, it's just that in this case, the the fight I wanted to fight was um, was the one of building a software business. So it's also a never ending fight. You you're fighting against potential bugs or improving your, the architecture of your product, improving the stability, improving all the transparency, improving the features. Uh, but from a personal standpoint, I find it, find it more, more satisfying. So, so that's what I want. I understand. How, how did you begin? Um, I know that you were at the beginning in, in very different fields, I mean, picture, uh, photography. And how did work the chat begin? You are not a developer. Obviously, not Chinese. Uh, you are not in e-commerce. And uh, how did it begin? I mean, how did you decide to create uh, at the beginning, which was an agency focusing on WeChat? What what, what was the start? Yeah, so it's kind of a long story. So my background is in is in engineering, but not in dev not in programming, as you, as you mentioned. Uh, I've been trained in mathematical engineering in France and business in UK. Then I went for a short time at, at BCG. Uh, in management consulting, which I didn't quite like. So I quickly left uh, to go to China. Uh, and I worked for Schneider Electric, a uh, big French automation company for three years before starting all the chat. This is like the professional side, as you said, it's not linked to neither with e-commerce nor with uh, programming. Um, as I was at Schneider, I got interested in entrepreneurship, started a few companies, uh, one in the fashion business, one in the art photography business. 
And the fashion company, when I started it, I started using WeChat as a marketing tool to promote it because as, back in the days, WeChat was just getting started. Uh, and I learned about WeChat this way. And then I realized, I mean, uh, a lot of companies didn't know how to use WeChat. And uh, I started offering these services uh, to companies, uh, basically this expertise I was building, as you mentioned, I started blogging about it. So I was the first, basically, person to write about WeChat in English. And now we have quite a very active blog, which gets us a lot of, of traffic, uh, which we've been maintaining for the last uh, three something years since, since, since I started uh, with the chat. Um, and yeah, and, and that's how it started. And quickly I realized the WeChat thing was making much more money than the art photography. So I, I gave up the photography project and started focusing on WeChat. And then we, we, we were like one year and a half in kind of limbo, just taking some agency projects, not really um, finding our path, uh, just looking for what we wanted to do. And uh, for the last year and a half, we've been uh, focusing on this e-commerce product and it's been much more satisfying uh, because we have, we've seen like month over month increase of our mostly recurring revenue. Uh, and today when we look at the, the curves of, of course, it's, it's pretty nice to see that we are really building on something. Okay, I see. So you, you, you built with the chat initially because people were asking you to do the same as what you were doing yourself. Uh, for your initial business that you you start, and yeah. um, after you built blog, you talked about it, and you did you did a lot of common marketing, and I know we talked a lot about it before um, mm -hmm. about how to build common marketing. What what is the situation now about uh, your client acquisition system? What's your process? Um, if I if I go on similar web and checking your website, you're mm -hmm. getting traffic, I guess, a lot from search. Uh, mm -hmm from Google and a bit from social media from Quora, but that's very little actually. Mm. Uh, yeah, can you tell me? It's not a bad channel for us. So yeah, so as you, as you mentioned Google, so you know about this because you're the one who first convinced me, right, to go into SEO about three years ago and uh, who also supported me uh, and supported us uh, when we got started uh, right at the beginning, right? Some of your, of your teammates were really uh, helpful. Uh, back in the days, it was, it was uh, yeah, Thibaut uh, who helped uh, and basically taught us how to do SEO. So SEO is a big thing for us. Uh, we are, if you write any WeChat related keyword, um, if you type WeChat shop, WeChat store, I think we are either the one, number one and two or number one to three uh, on, the, on the first page of, of Google. And if you number type... One. The one, but I think we also like number two, right? Oh yeah, you are number one and number two on WeChat okay. shop, yeah. And I went to yeah. WeChat account for and, and number the one, but you are on Quora, you are, you, you are the first thing from Quora. But like, yeah, go ahead. Well, WeChat accounts, yeah, WeChat accounts, we number, uh, we have a Quora answer, and then um, and then our, it's like it was a WeChat official website, a Quora, and then our answer pop. Anyway, on all these keywords, we are really crushing it. Usually, it's only. WeChat, which is above us uh, for the vast majority of these keywords. And most of the time, we are just number one. And sometimes we have a few of the first, first places for WeChat advertising, WeChat key opinion leaders, all, all these things. Uh, so this really helps, definitely. Uh, we're getting more client referrals, of course. Uh, Cora actually is bringing very qualified traffic. I have like, I think, 30,000 uh, views per month on Cora on my, uh, on, 
my core profile and I'm, I'm top answer for WeChat. And uh, people who ask questions like how do I create a store on WeChat obviously are very, very qualified uh, and they do convert to our website uh, some very, very qualified traffic. And uh, we are using now also other um, forums about like Shopify, uh, people are discussing how to create a store uh, from uh, for which how to make the, Shop the Shopify website WeChat friendly or China friendly. We would write some answers there, and that would drive very qualified traffic. So sometimes it's not just about like the volume, as uh, this um, this uh, this forum channels uh, can be quite efficient in driving very very qualified leads, and this leads convert very high. I see. What do you think about the Quora? Because I feel that a lot of very very naive questions. Uh, do you feel it's really um, a useful platform for people? I mean, it's working yes. well on Google. Yeah. It's a great platform, yeah. Also, like if you if you are just to browse the most answer most answered uh, questions on Quora, of course, it would be a lot of things about uh, American politics or dating stuff, which is not very really relevant to business. But uh, as you said, yeah, it's it's very well referenced on Google. So most of the time, if you uh, Google a question about WeChat. You would find our website, and then you would find a core answer, and the core answer would be my answer, right? So uh, at the end of the day, when people look for information on uh, on, on Google, being well represented on Quora, and make sure that people find us where where, the, where wherever they look, and uh, also Quora is, is very often seen as a kind of trustworthy source of information because you get opinion from different people uh, about the questions you're asking. So being there uh, is really a good way to, to provide expertise. And very often we don't directly promote the business, uh, but we provide very good expertise. And uh, then people go on our website and there are people who are looking for quick, who are asking themselves questions about WeChat and then they, they convert to yeah, some of our lead magnets. So we also have very, very good lead magnets on the website. So when people get on the website, uh, we have two lead magnets which are working extremely well. One is um, uh, an ebook about entering the Chinese market, and one which works even better is a five days email course about uh, WeChat, WeChat marketing. So people would sign up to that, and then they would uh, receive five emails. First one about how to create a WeChat account, second about shops, third about traffic, fourth about content, and fifth about case studies, uh, which basically would tell them everything about how to how to market on WeChat, and uh, because what we do is so complex, right? Getting into China is so complex. Uh, for us, having all this, this content, these lead magnets is very important because it enables us first to convert some of this traffic to, to email collection. And also it enables us to kind of start educating these customers so that when they get to us, they're not at the zero level of knowledge. They get maybe to five or 10%. Uh, and they don't need to be all the way to experts, but at least we, we are speaking from uh, common understanding and they already know that they have to create a WeChat issue account, that there are different types of accounts, that they need to have an account on the store, and they know maybe the different ways they can drive traffic. So um, that's, that really helps. I understand. So how do you, I mean, how does it work? People people put their email that receives the that receives the training, right? Or... Yeah, yeah. This is it's just a HubSpot sequence. So they put their email and uh, it it's, submits a HubSpot form, which then uh, sends uh, daily emails. It's quite simple. Okay. okay. But this okay. is extremely efficient, especially you can see also the engagement of users. The big difference between having an ebook and an email course is if you send out an ebook, 
people with the ebook or they don't. You have no idea, right? You just know if maybe at best you know if they open the email and that's it. But if you send an email course, then you can see who are the people who actually open the email every day. If you have links inside the email, you can see which links were clicked. So you can really have some very serious uh, metrics of engagement. And right now I'm 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 uh, converting this uh, into a, which a Facebook Messenger course, uh, which gives even more visibility in terms of engagement of users. And we are we have this is very new. We started doing that a few days ago. Uh, but uh, I just I just put like thirty bucks of investment on this promoting this Messenger course and generated one hundred and fifty conversations on Messenger. So very very interesting return on investment. How much did you spend? And generated one and got 150 people oh. to sign up to my uh, to my course on Messenger. Qualified? qualified? Yes, it's quite qualified. So this is retargeting. So these are people who were okay. have visited our, our website and then I retarget them with that and tell them, okay, do you want to learn about WeChat marketing? And uh the store. So it's not all of them working in big companies, but there's a beauty of Messenger is that I'm, this 150 are not completely qualified. I mean, they're interested, but they might not have the spending power. But as they get inside the course, I can ask them questions like, you have a company registered in which country? How big is it? And I can store all of this data in a hotspot with a Zapier connection. Uh, and then I can find a way to, um, uh, to, to basically read, read out the ones which don't have um, the, the ability to invest in, in WeChat and focus on the ones which are act actually very qualified. So this is a very new experiment I started three days ago and I'm actually doing that myself because uh, I, I really enjoy um, discovering new ways to engage people through, through messaging. This is kind of like my little personal experiments but this one has, has some good results. We have not scaled it at all. I'm still basically crafting the, the course and um, uh, and discovering how what is a good way to provide these kind of courses for messaging, which is kind of new for us. I'm still on similar web, and I'm I'm seeing that you have a lot of you get a lot of traffic from from the US. Is it correct? Like twenty percent. Mm. Yeah, it's possible. I and mean, this might also be some people using VPN in China. So, like uh, so this part of this traffic might be might be Chinese traffic. Like our main geography is yeah, US definitely is a big one. U.S., Canada, in Europe, I would say Germany, U.K., uh, Holland, um, uh, maybe a bit of Italy, and uh, Australia, New Zealand. This would be uh, the main the main places where we have a lot of uh, interest and clients. Okay, it's a bit different from what I get from a similar web. Um, I get Singapore. Uh, I can send you like our actual analytics. I think um, it's always difficult because U.S. always tends to be overrepresented because a lot of VPN access is uh, is using uh, some some uh, some uh, nodes in, in US. And you have 50k viewers every month. Not bad. Not yeah. It's a lot. It's good. And the point is, it's very qualified. If you look at the way the keywords, which are the main keywords for us on Google, it's like really which are shop, which are payment, which are store, which are advertising. So the people is this extremely um, qualified traffic with very high intent. Still, content marketing. I, I feel I feel that um, we are experiment as an entrepreneur. 
we are trying a lot of ways to get new clients, uh, new ways, and so on. But at the end of the day, what's really driving the most of the most of the clients is content marketing still. I think we've been, to be pretty honest, I think I haven't been very good to leveraging other channels. That's also why content marketing is so strong for us. And I have, in particularly, I haven't been very good at leveraging offline traffic. Uh, I mean, uh, like conferences and, and business trips and basically going out to meet clients, uh, which because I'm not this type of person, I'm very socially awkward and very uh, extremely introvert. So it does not help. Uh, but actually, in, in beginning next year, we're going to start doing more of this. So I'm going to go into like a little European tour to give a bunch of, of talks uh, in France, in UK, in Netherlands. Uh, so we can start to um, kind of, uh, yeah, start leveraging a bit more of, uh, of these capabilities, of these offline capabilities. Uh, and yeah, I think content marketing is still quite strong when it comes to online conversions, uh, especially for or kind of like very niche B2B business. It's hard to just run a Facebook campaign and do very well, except as I mentioned, if you do retargeting, you already have a qualified audience. Uh, but if you're, if you're starting from scratch, uh, finding people of high intent to start uh, selling their products in China is not very easy. Uh, while with Google, you actually, um, you actually get a lot of these people with, with very high intent. I see, I understand. Thanks, Thomas. Thanks for the time. Uh, it's already it's already been one hour. We have been we have been talking. How did you like it? No, it was good. It was good. Um, good question. Because we had a technical problem. Um, yeah. I can tell the audience we have a technical problem. We did that one week ago. Actually, it didn't work. So we did it again today. And how did you how did you feel about it compared to the first time? No, it was even better than the first time. So I'm looking forward to maybe next week we can try again. <laughs> If there was another <laughs> okay, good. Thank you very much, Thomas, and thank you everyone for listening. Um, we will shoot another episode uh, next week. Bye bye. See you, Matt.